Well, if you're just joining us online or you're just getting in person, my name's Austin. I am I just have the honor and pleasure to be uh, one of your pastors here. And as you as you kind of fold into who we are and who we are this year, we, we're just kind of in this saying that we pray and we invite you to to participate in seeing God's kingdom come here in Sammamish as it is in heaven. We want to be that to a core part of who we are. So to that, we are seeking to be God's church. Every year on my birthday, my mother, and I don't know if you have this, but my mother would make a special breakfast. And so every year I knew that I was expecting what I loved and couldn't wait for. And for our family, for me, that was southern biscuits and gravy. Things that you just wake up to and you smell in your nostrils and you're like... Nothing gets me up like that food, right? And so we would run downstairs. My sister and I were twins, and we had this, so that means we had the same birthday if you didn't catch that. And um, so we would run downstairs, and we would turn the corner, and I would see my mother waiting for us. But as she was waiting for us at the table, she'd be sitting there, and I would notice that she was reading her Bible. And as she was reading her Bible, she would look up as she hears us down the stairs, right? And she'd look up and see us coming, and the party and the celebration would begin. And I remember in that moment, I didn't notice it then, but it logged deep in my memory. Have you ever had that, where you see an image, and you don't know how it impacts you, but later it comes up and up? And over the next couple of years, especially birthdays, I would remember that my mom would go down and would always be reading her Bible before I came down for breakfast. This is my mom's Bible. And one of the things that I noticed about it is that in my mom's Bible, there were a lot of underlinings, a lot of circling, things like that written in there, questions, things that she noticed, um, even so much that like it looked like the binding was starting to fall apart. So she had to be really like tender and, and, and careful with it. And the thing that I kept noticing about that was it looked like it had been used. And that, to me— changed my heart. It locked deep that she had a relationship with the word that it actually looked really used. Y'all gave me this new Bible, and so my hope and prayer as you kind of, we walk together, that this thing doesn't look like this very much longer, right? Like, you should be like, Austin, if, if it looks like this in a couple of years, be like, Austin, are you reading your Bible? Like, right? Come on. But that is what we're asking us to do. And when we talk about this series that we are going to go boldly this year, that to go boldly means that this year we need to rediscover or discover for the first time the Word of God and our relationship to it. We need to go places that we've never gone before further. Even if you've been like, man, my relationship with the Word is good, we want to go further and farther, wider and deeper this year than we have before. And if we're going to do that, it takes a part of rediscovering God's Word. So join us as we read God's Word. So if you have it in uh, your hand, whether that's digital, that's fine, or whether it's physical, turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. We love to read this Word together, to be in it, eyes open. So it says this, Colossians 3, chapter 16. And I'm reading out of the ESV version. Let the Word of Christ dwell richly in you teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. 
So the first thing that if we are going to be people that dwell richly, the first thing you have to do is let it. Right? That word let isn't just one to be passed over. It is meant to be engaged to say, Paul says, you know, we want the word to dwell richly in you, but you have to let it. And in getting ready for this series, if you notice, it has a little bit of a Star Trek theme. I don't know if any of you are Trekkies or little nerds like me, but I started to watch again, like the shows. And one of the things that I remember in it was in the new current trilogy, um, the first uh, movie is they're taking, they've been building um, the Enterprise, and now they're ready. They've been called out in an emergency to head, to render aid to the Vulcan civilization. And what happens is that they get on board, and the captain tells Lieutenant Sulu to go and, and, and to punch it, which means put it into warp speed and let's go. And as he says punch it, all of a sudden, every other ship in the fleet starts heading out of picture. And the Enterprise is left there, sitting in space, off the dock. And they're like, what happened? And and Lieutenant Sulu is, I have no idea. And they ask, are you even a pilot? And he's like, of course, I'm a pilot. I know what I'm doing. And he goes, and then Spock, of course, in his logical, um, um, sarcastic self goes, hey, did you disengage the inertial dampers? I.e., in language, did you take off the parking brake? And he's like, of course I did. I took the parking brake off. And as he refigures and he looks at me, he goes, that moment, it flows over his face and he just goes, we're ready to go. And the captain says, punch it. And so we're asking if we're going to sit here and we're going to punch it and we're going to go farther and wider and deeper than we ever have gone before. My thing is to you, my question is to you is what's your parking brake? What is your parking brake that you're not allowing yourself or it's keeping you from going farther, deeper, and wider than you've gone before? Like, what's your parking brake when it comes to God's word? Like, I mean, let's be honest. Anybody else feel this? Like young people? It's really boring. Anybody else? Like, it's really boring, and I just don't get anything out of it. <laughs> right? Like, oh my gosh, it's really, it's just, it's a little bit boring. Or wait, or maybe this is that you're not, it's not boring, but it's hard to make sense of everything that's going on from cover to cover. It's hard to hold those things on, and sometimes they just don't make sense to me. Or maybe you're like, I don't even remember what I just read. Uh, and honesty, Austin, I don't even remember what you said last week. That's okay, right? Like, what's our parking brake that we don't even remember what we read? Or here's even, this one hurt, when I was kind of like, man, what is our parking brake? What's our deal? And sometimes maybe it's that, actually, we just, it's not relevant to us. It doesn't do anything for us. Right? So like, we like this idea of who Jesus is, his love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. But when we engage God's word, it just doesn't do anything for me. Right? I read it, and then I go about my day, and nothing that happened there really engaged me to do anything for me. I was the same person before and after. It didn't really do anything for me. But here's the thing, as we, as we go deeper, as we go boldly, as we allow it into, into really just say, you know what, these are my hangups. These are my parking brakes. It's okay to say, man, these are the things that I have with God's word. That's okay. God is ready to hear that. He already knows it. He just wants you to say it. And now he's saying, take off the parking brake. And allow me to dwell richly in you. Because here's the thing. When you allow it, when you let, when you take off the parking brake, 
and you allow it, what happens is the word of God starts to dwell richly in you. It's nothing that you do or how you do it that creates this richness. But as you let it, it dwells in you richly. We talked about that last week, that dwelling, that inhabiting, that's coming up and take residence inside where life happens. When it dwells richly in you, life begins to happen. Like this is what happened when we talk about that we don't have this mindset of a scarcity when it comes to the word of God. Like, let's be honest, right? Like sometimes we are honest and say, I feel like when I go to that, I'm going to get nothing from it. Like I have this mindset that even if I do spend, and I give my all and I try really hard, I have the scarcity mindset that God actually not provide for me that maybe he's providing for other people. But you know the thing that people that I talk to who I really respect and honor and love, who have this really rich indwelling with God's word, they will never testify and, and give a testimony that says their relationship with the word when it, when they dwells richly with them, that it actually does nothing for them, but they keep doing it in a habitual way just because they're supposed to. Like nobody that I know that dwells richly in the word will say that, uh, it doesn't really do anything for me, but I just do it because I'm supposed to. Like what happens is when we let it, that it's not by what you do, but by God dwelling in you richly that provides it. And you know how I know that? It's by dwelling richly in the word that I remember like coming across this text in Isaiah and it's Isaiah 55 verse 11 that it says this, that God's word is alive and that it never returns void. Like think about that, that God's word is both alive and it never returns void, which means is anytime you invest in the word, If God's word is true and right, which I think it is, it means that it will never, your investment, your time, your focus, your energy in it will never return void. But what that means also, hear me, disclaimer, it doesn't mean that right away, all of a sudden your life's going to be like, oh my gosh. That will happen and can happen. But it doesn't mean every time you get in the word that, that it returns right there on the instant. We have that in that Western culture. It's that instant gratification, that instant return our investment. Like we want that right now. When my kids are out, I want them to say, they be like, I ask a question, they listen, and then they respond immediately. As a dad, I'm like, yes. But if they don't or they don't get it right, we need to learn that God's word never returns void. So even if you're in the midst of taking off your parking brake, but you're saying, man, it doesn't do anything for me. We need to understand that God's word never returns void. It is alive. It is well. It is good. And it will dwell within you and come back in return as you indwell in it. And not only that, but then in Luke chapter 10, one of the things that really just struck me It's not anything that Jesus said, but what a woman said to Jesus, to the Samaritan woman where they're at the well. Jesus asked for living—it said, if you—would you give me some water? And she's like, who are you to ask me for water? And he goes, if you knew the living water that I would provide, a well that would never run dry, you would ask me for that. And she goes, give me that living water. Give it to me now. I want that. That that living word is alive. And when it pours into your very soul, when it dwells richly in, it begins to create life. That's why we did that. What happens is when you let go and you feel life returning to your hands, all of a sudden you understand that the living word is breathing life within your very soul, even if you don't know it. That's 
what I love about plants. You water it, you don't see it growing, but it is growing. It is producing. It is going to bring life within you so that when the fruit is produced, it is actually good because it doesn't return void. It doesn't mean that the moment you pour water into, all of a sudden avocados will start producing out of your life. And you're like, mm, I love my, well, name your fruit, right? Whatever you want. Like, but it doesn't return void. You are going to pour life within your very bones, within your blood, within your mind and your heart, and it's going to produce life that you don't even see yet. This is what it means. And when it dwells richly in you, and you go into the Word of God, and you start to read that in God's Word is that I've never experienced a place where I am in love, where I'm accepted. Like, I shouldn't even be brought into the room into God's house, into his family. I don't deserve a place at the table. I am the redheaded stepchild that you don't invite home for dinner. But he says, no, come, sit. Take your shoes off, take your jacket off, and actually sit and, re- and rest with me. There's no place that I've read in here or any place in this world that says, I will accept you just the way you are right now. And that when you come into the room, it says, not only will I come into the table and I'm accepted in a seat, I don't have a seat right at the end or at the kid table, right? Like, I don't have a kid table seat. I have a seat next to Jesus. I got the place that you want to be. He's invited me to sit to the very next seat to him in order that I might commune with him because he loves me. That God doesn't relegate you to a kid's table Because he's just got you in enough. You've just done enough to get in the house. And nor have I kind of come to the realization that when I'm in the word, I understand that the hope is real. That who I am today, who you look and see as yourself right now, if you take an honest look, is not who you're going to be tomorrow. Not who you're going to be next week. It's not who you're going to be next month and next year. That when the word of God dwells richly in you, I have hope that Jesus says that he has begun a good work in me that he will see through to completion on the day that Jesus returns. And that means that I am in a growth place. I'm in a growth mindset. When the word of God dwells richly in with me, I don't operate in scarcity that he can't do it in me. I respond out of a hope and a trust that he is growing in me greater than I can see, dream, or imagine. This is what happens when we are in a place of growing with God. When it dwells richly within you. When you take the parking brake off of your relationship with the word, relationship with Jesus, and you let him work, he dwells richly in you to never return your investment and to give you life that you've always been waiting for, even if you don't see it. If those two things are true, if we really believe that, that Colossians 3, 16 is really true, then it goes on to say is how we respond and how we live out of that is different. That if we are people that believe this is true, there's two things that have to change right now. It has to change how we sit with the word and how we sing out. Like it finishes, it says you need to teach and admonish, and then you need to sing hymns, psalms, spiritual songs, that we need to be people that don't just sit with the word, but we also sing out the word. Like, this is why our relationship with the word, and I'm speaking to myself as well, has to be more than the 15 minutes I give it in the morning, the afternoon, or at night. It's gotta be. 
And I remember the moment that that changed for me. And then you know what? And it actually didn't change for me when I was in seminary. It actually changed when I was at my first church after seminary in Texas. We had been there um, for about six months. I had beginning to identify some student leaders who we were going to kind of form and kind of continue to invest in and grow. And these student leaders um, in January, kind of like now, but, ye- but years ago, I said, I want to do something different. I want to change from going series to series, like scripture to scripture. I want us to sit and dwell in the book of James. James, would you do it with me? For six months, I wanted to sit in the book of James and talk about how it changes who we are and how we know it. And so we did. We started to, to talk about what it looked like to read the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And as they begin to, I see something like happen in them. I began to see something change in their um, interaction with the word. I challenged them. I said, hey, we have a youth Sunday coming up. And this is my dream. My challenge and my dream would be, would you take these three student leaders with myself and my wife, would you choose a chapter of James and would you memorize it? And they said, yes. So they chose the ones and then my wife and I got the last picks of the leftovers, right? Like every parent, like we get the leftovers, the kids all get the good stuff and, you know, that's my lot in life. But then all of a sudden that Sunday came by and we stood up, all five of us, not perfect, but purely spoke the whole book of James from memory to our congregation. And you know what? While the return from our friends and our family of how amazing that was and how the experience was for us, the thing that changed us, that marked me, that changed me, was that that word dwelled richly in me. I don't have all of it still memorized, but I do have some, especially the beginning of it that has changed and marked me. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be complete, lacking in nothing. I know that. Not just in my head, not just like right now, I was like, just going over it right before service, but it's marked deeply within me because I set differently with the word than I had before. And it dwelled so richly in me that when trials came and how I interacted with trials, I remembered that those trials weren't a testing of my faith to judge whether I was good enough or right enough or faithful enough. But those testing of those trials begin to allow me to sit in the presence of God to say, it's not so much about what I can do, but what you can do. God, it is an opportunity for you to show up and show out. As I begin to sit, participate, and watch you do the things that only you can do. That is what our faith is, is that trials allow us the opportunity to sit with God, to understand how it develops in faith, not as a testing in a trial, a litmus test of how good of a disciple you are. But it's an opportunity for you to sit, to watch, to participate as God shows up and shows out. That is what it means that we sit differently. That's what marked me. That's what changed me is that I began to sit with the word, not just so I could just get it and commune with it and check it off my list so go about the rest of my day, that I began to rest in it to see what would happen, what would change in me if I did something, if I went boldly further, farther, and deeper than I had gone before. That's what we're called to do. That's why we talked about this remember verse that we do. 
This is not just something that we want you to memorize. We want it to dwell richly in you so that when you hear it again and again, that we don't get, we get in the habit of doing good deeds for and with God. And then if we're going to sit with it, then we also need to sing it out. This is why. Singing and worship is a core part of what we do here. It's not just to sing the top 40 billboard hits or the top songs that are on Caleb. Like we're not just singing this to be a part of what is greater happening. What we do is we're singing and worshiping out so that the word of God might be proclaimed in us, out of us, and to each other. I love what Kyle said. Let your brother and your sister sing this over you. Let them be singing words that you don't quite believe yet or you haven't accepted, but they have. And so that they, as brotherly and sisterly love, can hold you up and sing over you things that you can't yet say. But you might be like, I'm not a singer. Okay. But one thing I do know is you are a worshiper. You are not a singer. That's okay. But you are a worshiper because what he says is like we are called when we dwell richly with the word is not only to sit with it differently, but sing it out differently. And there's something about music that changes things, right? Like musicians get this, but I think we get this in a general way. One of the things that we did um, over Christmas break while the snow was all keeping us in is we were on Disney Plus and we watched the new movie Encanto. Anybody seen this movie? Oh, this movie, like, (laughs) in my heart. Not only is it visually stunning, but it also has an incredible story, an incredible way that a family relates to one another, but it also has some catchy tracks. Like, there's this song about uh, a member of the family who is no longer really a part of the family, and anybody know who that person is? Bruno. And anybody right now singing the song with me? Like, we don't talk about Bruno, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. Right? We don't, like, and all of a sudden, if you've seen that movie, and now you're going to go home and you're going to be like, I got to watch this. Awesome, like, stuck me with this Bruno guy. You know exactly what Bruno looks like right now. If you've seen the movie, you have the picture of who he is in your head. You see his facial features. You know his gift. You know his story. And then it also connects you to the larger story of where he was in the family, why he's not in the family, and what is happening without him. You know the story when you sing it out. The songs provide us an opportunity to be connected in with the story of what is happening. And that's what happens in worship, is that you don't maybe have all of this memorized. I don't have all this memorized. But when I sing it out, what it does is it connects us one another and grounds us back into the word. When we sing it out, we're not singing catchy songs. Although when I was preparing for this, I was listening to, to Justin Bieber's Freedom album that he did with, with Chandler Moore. Like, I was listening to this, and I was really jamming. It's not like worship, but it was worship to me. But this is the thing that happens, is what, that God, when we sing it out in worship, this is why when we come to worship, it dwells richly in us and connects us to God's word. That's why, pick whatever song you got. What hits you hard? Like, maybe for some of you, like, it's one of those hymns that it was saying in there. Like, we sing hymns, and you think when the song Amazing Grace comes on, you're like, mm, yes, 
Amazing grace, how sweet. Right, and you're like, oh, you're, some of you are already getting slayed in the spirit right now. You're already ready for the heavenly throne room. You're like, mm-hmm, yes, I am there. I am in the throne room, holy, holy, holy. Like, that thing is like the amazing grace that I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, and now I see the richness and the goodness of Jesus who has come to save me to live with me, to indwell with me. Or maybe you're like me and you're an older millennial, or maybe for some Xers or some boomers in the room, like you're in this like 90s worship. Anybody else? Like, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, right? And you're already like, mm, it's all about you. Like, <laughs> elevation worship and everybody's bringing it back. I'm all about you, Jesus. Like, right now, you're like, I remember in the room where I was feeling that and tears were flowing. And I was like, yes, Jesus, it doesn't matter what I look like. I am tired of maybe dressing up for church because Jesus says it's all about what's in here. It's all about my relationship with Jesus more than it is what I look like. Like, and so people are being slayed in the in the 90s, late, late 90s, like, yes, I don't want to dress up anymore in the South, and I just want to come as I am. And so that's slayed for people, right? Or maybe you're like, let's go a little bit newer. Like, you're singing like this, na- this song, What a Beautiful Name. Like, what a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. Like, and you're right now, you're, you're, you're realizing that moment when that, when that bridge hits you, and it talks about, you have no rival, you have no equal. Like, you're like, mm-hmm, forever, God, you reign. And you're just like, mm, yes, what a beautiful name it is. It has been beautiful to me. Or maybe then you need to go even newer. Maybe you need to sit with me, and I'm going back into my roots of some gospel music. And maybe you need to sit with a little bit of Mav City. Like, I'm getting Kyle there. That's all he did this week for his job, was he was listening to some Mav City, because we're going to bring bring the word. And it does something. Because Mav City, Maverick City, what they do is they continue to sing the same thing over you. And they say, that's what gospel does. Gospel music continues to sing the thing over you because it sings over it to you, not only to hear it, but then when you hear it, you start to believe it. And then when you believe it, then you can actually proclaim it. That's what we do with gospel music. This is what it means to sit differently. This is why Paul includes it, that we not only just sit differently with the word, but we sing it out. Because what you do when you sing it out is you proclaim the truth that you need in your life that connects you with the word. And you actually proclaim it for others so that even though they don't believe it yet, you can sing it over them and over them and over them until they hear it, see it, and believe it. That's why some of you might be struggling with this. He's a good, good father. Because the father figure in your life is not good. Or you've had expectations of God and you believe he's fallen on his job as God. That he was out of the office in your life. That he had his vacation email on when you were sending him prayers and emails and like, I'm sorry, I'm on vacation. I can't return. I'll return your call and your email later. Like you feel like you can't say he's a good, good father because the places in your life where you need him, he's not showing up. Or so we think. And so you need your brother and sister to sing over you. So this is what I'm asking you. If we're to go boldly where we've never gone before, to go farther, the deeper, and wider, we've got to sit with it. And I want to I do that right now together. So whether you're in the room or online, this is what I want to challenge you to do this week. And this is an active participation because the word is active and alive and doesn't say we just sit there and passively receive it. What I'm going to challenge you to do is this week— Read the whole book of Philippians every day. It's four chapters. Or if you're like, I don't know, that that's, that's might be starting off more like a choose. Read 
the second chapter of Philippians. Just read that one chapter. Read Philippians every day. Let that word dwell in you. And then with that, whatever playlist I was singing that hits you hard, play that. Play that in your car. Play that in your house. Play that when you're working out. Play that when you are at work, if you can do that with your earbuds, right? Like, do it. Put God's word in your heart, in your ears, in your mind, in your soul, so that when you start to hear it, you begin to sing it out differently because the word is being proclaimed over you while you're not in the word. And then I want you to do this. Send me, send Pastor Mark, send Nancy, any of our staff members, put it on our social media. What are you listening to? Because that's what we do as the body of Christ. What are you listening to that might help me commune differently this year with God? Tag us. What are you listening to? What are you reading? We're all reading. Let's read what is hitting you hard when we read Philippians together. That's my hope this week. As we go boldly this year, we want to start right now. We're not waiting. It's too long. We've waited too long. Today is the day. Let's start going. And let's go boldly as we dig into God's word in Philippians this week. As we begin to have God's word sung to us and over us. So Ben, do you want to come up? And we're going to sing this song again. We're going to sing a song called Build My Life so that we rediscover and discover the word of God that is rooted deeply and dwelling deeply in you. And my hope and my prayer is, let me say this. If you're still on that parking break, that's fine. If it is too slow, too boring, doesn't make sense, or you don't get anything out of it, what I'm asking you today is let it. This is why when we stand and worship, why you see people raise their hands because they're singing and they believe it. But maybe if you're like, I don't know, I'm not a singer, but I'm a worshiper, and I can't do this hands out thing, but maybe you do this hand out wide. Just in front of you saying, I don't know if I believe this, but I'm going to receive it. I'm going to build my life upon your word. I haven't yet, but I want to. I'm taking off the parking brake, and I want to. So maybe today, when we worship, it's not a time that we just pass over and pass through, but we dwell richly as we sing and sit with God's word. Amen. For real, church. I'm challenging you for the sake of your brother and sister. Read together. Worship together. Share with us what is hitting your heart so that it might bear fruit in one another. Share what you're listening so that we might draw closer in worship. Do it. Screenshot it. Send to us. We'll put it on a story that might impact somebody else to listen to the same thing that might slay them and dwell them richly in God's presence. Will you stand with me as we receive this benediction? Now to God, who is able to do more than we dare dream or imagine, to him be the glory forever and ever. Now let's go. Let's go boldly. Amen.